Today's show is brought to you by Lightning Pod. If you have a podcast, you know that it's a lot of work. But Lightning Pod can help. We've been working with their founder, Eric Johnson, for more than a year now, and he's really helped us take the Smart Home Show to the next level. So if you're starting a new podcast or you want to make your existing podcast better, you should get in touch with Eric. Learn more at lightningpod.fm. This is Richard Gunther with the Digital Media Zone. Once again, it's time for WWDC, Apple's annual developer conference. Apple announced a bunch of updates for your smart home, and we're running through most of them. It's interesting that as technology becomes more pervasive throughout the home, it gets harder and harder to clearly isolate stuff we'd typically associate with the smart home. Apple TV, HomePod speakers, and even your watch are all part of that ecosystem now. So we'll be talking about all of those in this episode starting right now. Hey everyone, I'm Adam Justice from ConnectSense, and welcome to the Smart Home Show. I'm joined, as usual, by my co-host Richard Gunther from the Digital Media Zone. How are you, Richard? I am doing very well. I feel like the last time we did this, we were all in a very different place, both uh, as a society and physically, because I'm back home finally. Yes, nice to see you back at home. And we're both... Fully vaccinated, peak vaccine, or peak inoculation, or whatever you want to call it. And uh, yeah, wow. Maxinated was the one that people were trying to make happen. Maxinated. Nice. But yeah, awesome. Congratulations. It's a good feeling. And uh, certainly encourage all the listeners who are able to do that to go out and get that done. Please do. All right. Well, earlier this week was... Apple's annual worldwide developers conference, once again virtually, where there was a bunch of new smart home related announcements. But before we get into that, Richard, I believe you have a question to start the show. Yeah, and this is, of course, related. I mean, I, I don't know about of course, but this is related to WWDC. We're going to talk about smart home stuff with regard to WWDC, but other than smart home stuff. What most excited you that was announced at WWDC? A new M2-based MacBook. Oh, wait. Wait, no. no. Oh. Uh, I thought yeah. maybe you watched a different WWDC than I did. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, WWDC is often not a hardware event as much as we every year want it to be. <laughs> But I think there was still some really exciting stuff there. For me, I'm a not full-time, but pretty serious iPad user. And actually, one of the ways I've been doing hybrid in the office is I, I use my iPad when I go into the office and I leave my full computer set up at home. And that's working pretty well for me. So everything around the multitasking for iPad was really exciting to me because I've never been good at how that all works. It's all been kind of fiddly to me. And um, I liked what I saw there. I was very tempted to get the beta on my iPad. And I paused as I normally did and everyone should. And then of course, I saw today somebody say it's very unstable. Don't put it on your iPad. And so I'm glad I didn't. But I'm excited to check it out maybe in a few betas. I totally put it on my iPad. <laughs> I didn't do my phone, though. No. I, I was worried about the phone, so I couldn't resist it. There were too many things. Okay, well, then you can tell me how buggy it is and when, when it's safe for me to do it. Yeah, fair enough. How about you, Richard? What were you excited about? For me, I think the thing that blew my mind was what they are calling universal control, where if you place your iPad next to your Mac, then your mouse and keyboard and trackpad are all just going to extend to your nearby iPad. But wait, it gets better. Let's say that's a laptop and you have a laptop and you're going to sit that right next to your iMac. You can do the same thing with that. You could even have all three of them 
and you can drag and drop stuff between them as if they were one continuous desktop across screens, even though they're separate computers. Insanely powerful. Yeah, I never really got into the whole like sidecar thing. And this seems like finally a useful version of that. So maybe this will have me actually using my iPad next to my Mac more often. Yeah, I think part of the problem with sidecar was just that you had to intentionally initiate it. And this seems like it's something that's just going to happen because of the proximity of these devices. They will, when you reach the end of the screen, know, oh, there's something else there. And you could like push over into it if you wanted to. And I think that's brilliant. I'm very excited about that. Awesome. Well, if you have a question you'd like to have us answer in the front of the show, um, you can submit those on Twitter using the hashtag AskAdamAndRichard. So, as we mentioned earlier, primarily going to talk about all things smart home related that came up at the keynote. So, I think, you know, we've had lighter years in the past and we've had heavier years. I, I still thought there was a generally a good amount of smart home related content. We got a whole segment in the keynote, which there's certainly been years where we didn't even get that. So... I was happy with what we got. Yeah, I think so. I think the other thing that was interesting is that things that we might associate with the smart home were also kind of sprinkled throughout the presentation in general. And that probably aligns with life, right? As your home becomes more smart and as your smart home becomes more of your general life and uh, interaction with devices more common, then... That makes sense. Yeah. So the first announcement that came up was kind of an extension. Uh, last year, they had talked about the ability to have digital car keys. And this is now being extended to other types of keys, which are, you know, locks for the home, as well as they showed some locks for hotels and, and things like that, too. So, yeah. And offices like working with castle systems to be able to get your badge incorporated into your phone, working with Disney World to get your Disney passport card and or band incorporated into your phone or your watch. This is really cool. The Disney World integration was my second runner up for favorite thing, but I love this. I think this is brilliant. And this doesn't mean like, Early adopting hotel chains had attempted that you walk up to your door and then you go into an app and then you find the thing where it lets you unlock it and then you go and wait for it to register and then you finally press the button and it'll unlock, all of which takes about five times longer than just tapping a card. This is literally tapping your phone like it's NFC. Yeah, and I'm I'm really excited about this coming to the home. I really like my smart lock, and um, I think this is the next good um, evolution to that. So hopefully it also works with watches. That would be really killer if you don't even have to leave the house with your, with your phone at all, uh, and you could just use the watch. So definitely we'll be watching this closely as um, some of the you know, lock manufacturers add this. And they had Asa Abloy, which is the the parent company of Yale, as well as uh, Allegion, um, which is Schlage and uh, Akara in there as well. So some, all the major players seems like are, are doing stuff in this space. Didn't see Quickset in there and was a little bit disappointed, but they... You know, they have a pretty heavy bet on their own system that they have uh, that uses Kivo. And of course, they also are pretty heavy in the Z Wave world. Next category was a bunch of interesting updates to Siri. So the first one was around voice recognition. And you can fill in on this, but I think they were bringing like the individual user voice recognition to like even more areas of the world. And doing that as well as then interpreting that on device. I think that's the big news here. 
Yeah, this was certainly exciting to me. You know, I think there's still going to be some complicated things that might have to go to the cloud, but it looks like they're going to try to stay on device as often as possible. And so what that looks like is anything that's like a real simple command um, that they can interpret locally, it's going to be super quick and totally secure as well because it's never leaving the device. So it's just another step, not only in privacy, but also just in great user experience. So really excited about that. The next one, which I think I feel like this was on our our list. Uh, I'll note we did not do a draft this year. It was hard to tell whether or not there was going to be a lot here. I guess we could have done a draft, but like I feel like Control Apple TV from HomePods was on a draft list years ago. So we made past Adam and Richard happy. (laughs) Yeah, I I think this is just a good natural extension of Siri on Apple TV, right? You could use Siri with your remote, but... What about Siri just to turn the damn thing on and just to be able to speak out in the air to get it to do something? We know from the HomePod experience that it works really well, even in loud environments. So I love that they're extending this to the TV viewing experience. Yeah. And um, somebody needs to check on hell because it may have frozen over. We're going to have Siri on third-party devices later this year. (laughs) It's funny that you put it that way, Adam, because I have, you could quote me on various occasions, I'm sure, as having said, Apple will never put Siri on third-party devices. Yeah. I mean, I literally asked either someone in MFI or someone at Apple about this years ago, sort of when we started to see this trend with other, you know, with Amazon and, and Google And I'm pretty sure I got laughed at or told exactly that, like, there's no way that's ever happening. (laughs) Yeah. Well, now, the thing that's really cool about this, and I think this got lost in the message because they didn't really talk about this in terms of how this gets implemented. But what they're really going to be doing is they're going to be using the third-party devices as remote mics that will then transmit that stream to a HomePod or HomePod Mini somewhere in your home. And it is actually doing the heavy lifting for Siri and then reacting accordingly. So, for example, one of the example devices, in fact, the only example device that they highlighted was the Ecobee thermostat. And the Ecobee thermostat that has the Amazon Assistant on it now, they're... uh, device that supports voice assistance is going to support this, which is amazing. That's a really cool thing. Now, this isn't going to come until sometime later this year. So, you know, they're usually pretty explicit when they have concrete timelines in place. In fact, in the next topic, we're going to talk about something that they said this fall, but this is later this year. So I'm expecting we won't see it until probably early winter. Yeah, I'm very intrigued to see what this experience is like, because I don't know about you, but I've experimented with some of the third party Amazon experiences and I've immediately turned all of them off. And they're just awful. It's like a limited subset of things you can do when they do the like the dance to see which speaker will answer often the one with the third party will pick up but it'll say i can't do that and it's like oh (laughs) this is a garbage experience if you can't do that then let the other one answer it so from what you said it sounds like maybe this will be a better way to do it and uh, a more pleasant user experience and that would be something i'd be excited about because you know i've never seen a real good reason to do this or a reason why, you know, we would ever want to put a mic in any of our products or anything like that. But if this is done right, I could see maybe a more compelling use case for that. Agreed. And I managed to engage Ecobee on Twitter about this and they were kind of coy in their response saying that, They were still working with Apple to define the experience. But my question specifically was, 
is this going to be a complete Siri or will it be hobbled the same way that third party experiences are for other assistants? And I think the answer is we don't know yet. The answer may very well be the vendors don't know yet either. Yeah, that makes me nervous on the later this year claim. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Well, I mean, hey, you know, at least Apple is realistic knowing what their certification process requires. Yeah, and I guess to to double back on timing, uh, I talked to somebody in the lock space who basically said, like, don't expect this anytime soon. See chip shortage. So... You know, I think all these things could take a while. Next category, which was good to see some updates, was um, HomePod Mini. You know, I think one of the things that was pretty um, strange was when we just got a new Apple TV 4K, there was a product on the box that no longer was sold in the lineup. (laughs) And, you know, they were talking about how you could use two big HomePods as speakers and you can't buy two big home pods anymore. So uh finally catching up and now you can use the lesser home pod mini as speakers, which I guess I do have an application for this in my house, but I would never want to do this on like my main TV. We have an Apple TV in our bedroom and we have two home pods in our bedroom. So I could see this being used there. It's not it's a non-critical TV where the surround experience is you know, subpar. I'm still stuck on you have two HomePod minis in your bedroom. Yeah, um, one on each night table. So you can jam to music while you're folding clothes. Oh, and use them as a stereo pair. Yes, they're a stereo pair. Okay, got it. Kind of like in my office. All right. I thought maybe, wait, you have separate ones for alarm clocks or something? But No, no. Stereo pair. Okay. Yeah, I, I think... I'm a little bit leery about this because, just like you said, there's no way that I would use the minis as a primary sound system in a family room or something like that. The HomePods themselves, sure, they sounded fantastic, but not the minis. I had kind of hoped that they were going to say, and you can use them for surround by putting them around your room, but they didn't go there. Unfortunately, that would have been kind of cool. Yeah, I think I think the use case for me is exactly what the one I was talking about, which is like if the option is, you know, crummy speakers on the TV itself or two HomePod minis. Okay, this is going to be a small step up from your crummy TV speakers, but it's not that (laughs) big of a jump. Other one is uh, HomePod mini is going to be available soon in more countries. So if you're in one of those countries and, and missed out on HomePod mini or weren't able to get one, you know, through strange channels, then uh, it's coming your way now. Countries that I couldn't believe didn't have it yet. I think New Zealand and Italy were on that list. Weird. I don't know. Next one was uh, the home app. So I think one of the things in the rumors was certainly a bigger update to the home app, which we really didn't get. And uh, man, is it overdue for that? Yep. Yeah, I was really excited when they started talking about the home app, but it was on the watch. Yeah, so I mean, good for people that want to use the watch more for the home app. Sports Intercom now, which we do have a bunch of HomePod minis in our house, so I like that. I will use that. And keep in mind, if I remember correctly, I think it could receive Intercom messages before, but you couldn't send them from the home app. So now you'll be able to send messages from your watch through the intercom, which is kind of cool. The one I want, which I didn't see this, but maybe it came out is uh, in Amazon land. You can type a message that then gets read over intercom via voice assistant. I want that. Ooh. Yeah. I forgot about that. That is, that is kind of a cool feature. It's, it's handy when uh, you want to make an announcement, but you can't do it via voice. Um, but yeah, and still no organization of automations, but you can name them now. Yeah. So this is nice. I mean, it's something, right? So you've always been able to name automations, just not in home, not in Apple's own app. So you had to use a third party application to do that. Now you can do it directly 
in their app. So I suppose if you name them strategically, that is a way of organizing them. But yeah, I I really wish we could get to something a little bit better in terms of how to bundle these automations together because right now it's just a big old scrolling mess. And because of how automations work, oftentimes you need to create multiple automations to accomplish like a set of things with a device or devices. And you want them to kind of, you want to look at them together or you want them to be bundled together. So at least naming will help. Yeah. I kind of wonder, we're going to talk about matter later, but I kind of wonder if some of this is waiting for that to be fully into the world, like maybe next year or on a point release, we'll get a home update. We'll see. Richard's not, not counting. Yeah. Any chickens. I, yeah, I don't know. All right. The next one was um, some updates to HomeKit secure video. This was a welcome one, which was um, they now support unlimited number of cameras for HomeKit secure video. Which is about damn time, right? I mean, it was ridiculous that they had a five camera limit. And that was on the highest plan. Like you needed to buy the two terabyte plan to get five cameras and the 200 gigabyte plan to get one camera. Now one camera is at the lowest level, five cameras at that mid tier level. And if you have the highest two terabyte iCloud plan or the premium Apple one plan that has that bundled into it, now you have an unlimited number of cameras. This is all part of the iCloud plus upgrade which is the exact same thing as iCloud with a plus after it. It costs the same. It looks the same. It does more now. I don't know why it needs to be plus. That Because everything me. is plus, Richard. Everything is plus. But then is the next one plus plus? Because that just, that, no, that becomes confusing. The other big announcement here with HomeKit Secure Video is um, package detection coming later this year. So I, we talked about this a lot when we went in deep on doorbells and package detection was one of the things that really only Google Nest Hello could do. So really exciting to see this come to HomeKit Secure Video too. Yeah, I really like this. Of course, the one thing to consider is that not all cameras have a view of maybe the stoop where your packages might be left. So this may or may not work for you depending on your camera and your configuration on your front porch. Yeah, I think something we talked about in that uh, episode, you know, you're going to want a camera that can see most of your porch as well as a a view that can see almost like directly below the doorbell too. So yeah, if I if I decided to pull out my current Ring Pro, I think this would be something that would maybe make me go there, but I would have to make sure I pick the right doorbell that would have the right kind of camera view. So I might stay tuned and see what else people come out with. Yeah, and remember, even the latest Ring did go down further, but of course Ring isn't part of this, certainly at this point anyway, so... We don't know that they ever will be. I would guess not. My money's on no. <laughs> I'm waiting for someone to figure out how, well, yeah, it's just not going to happen. I was going to say how to how to home bridge HomeKit Secure Video, but I guess that kind of defeats the whole point of HomeKit Secure Video. So that probably won't happen. That word secure in the middle. Yeah, right. Exactly. And then... Uh some nice updates for Apple TV as well. So nearby accessory control. So I'm guessing this is room-based maybe? I don't know. Yeah, it's room-based and it's very similar to what you would have today on the iPad or on your iPhone. If you go to a camera view on an iOS device, then you have the ability to pull up the devices that are nearby and control those. Now you can also do that on your Apple TV when you look at the camera view. So that's a nice feature. It's a really nice feature. You know, someone is at the door and, you know, the doorbell rings. 
you pull up the camera, you're looking at it, and you would have the ability right there to potentially unlock the door for them. Yes. And this was actually something they showed when they very first announced doorbells, but I don't know that it ever really came to fruition until now. So, (laughs) but it's not just that, that scenario, they just talked about doors and doorbells. Um, This is even broader than that, where it will also show sensors and other accessories too. Right. Exactly. It'll show, like you said, it's whatever happens to be in the room. And again, you could do this on your tablet, just not right on the TV. Yeah. And then the next one, I feel a little bit bad for our our friend of the show, Aaron, uh, multi-camera view. So, um, seriously, more or less, uh, his, his camera app was, uh, Sherlock. (laughs) Yeah. This was one of the really cool features. Now I still feel like his, we're, we're talking about home cam for home kit, I think is, the full name of it. Yeah. Aaron Pierce. And this product was one of the first to give you like a four up or multi up view of your cameras. I think his is still much more customizable and gives you more features and flexibility, but this is that basic capability now right on your TV. And it's also going, as I understand it, well, no, actually, you already get this on in the home app in a sort of way just by looking at the camera views. But yeah, so it's a shame. But I still think that there are many good reasons to look at home cam. As well as all of Aaron's other apps that provide a ton of value. So, And stay tuned for an upcoming episode of Home On to learn more about those. Okay, awesome. And then the last one was lock activity notifications on Apple TV. I love this. This is the reason why I have all of my door entry locks on HomeKit because I really like all the kind of entry notifications. So having this on Apple TV, you know, would allow me to know if somebody was home and opened the garage or, you know, the door locked or unlocked, um, things like that. So super useful addition there. Yeah, this is a nice addition. What we don't know yet is, is this going to extend to other devices? Right now, it only seems to work for locks. And this isn't even something that they talked about in the presentation. This is something that a blogger found and posted about. So I'm eager to find out how this gets applied across different device types, because certainly sensors or cameras catching motion, things like that might be good candidates. But of course, you don't necessarily want a whole bunch of notifications flying across your screen while you're watching TV either. So you'd have to be able to tune that so it wasn't too annoying. So speaking, you said bloggers, and I remembered something I had actually texted to you that we don't have in our list here. So I'm going to bring it up now, which was Quinn Nelson, Snazzy Q, said this belongs in our Siri section. You can actually now tell Siri to do something at a specific time. So you can give a command like turn off my bedroom lights at 7 p.m. and it will run that automation at that time. Yeah, that is a really cool feature. You know, just like you could say, wake me up in an hour. You can also say, turn off the lights in an hour. Yeah. Or uh, the other example he gave was turn off the lights when I leave. So then using that location-based awareness too. Very slick. Very slick. So that's kind of the major stuff that's home-related from the WWDC announcements. We're going to talk a little bit more about other things that still have a tie to home or didn't get full discussion at the presentation. But first, we're going to take a quick break in the event that we have some sponsors, and then we'll return with more smart home discussion. Everyone says that starting a podcast is easy. But let me tell you, making a podcast is hard work. That's where today's sponsor, Lightning Pod, comes in. If you have a podcast or you want to start one, then you should check them out. They can help you with every step of the podcast production process. We've been working with Lightning Pod founder, Eric Johnson, for more than a year, and he's really helped us take the Smart Home Show to the next level. 
Eric currently helps us with editing and copywriting, but he's also available to help your podcast with recording, monetization, website design, and more. Learn more at lightingpod.fm. All experience levels are welcome. So whether you're a veteran podcaster or a total newbie, you should check them out. That's lightningpod.fm. All right. So let's talk a little bit more, Adam, about what else interested us in terms of the home and the impact that it might have on the home from these Apple announcements. And one of the things that caught my attention, this is this is not technically smart home related at all, but it really dives into Apple's commitment to privacy. And that's that if you use iCloud, a paid subscription to iCloud, you will get as a part of that subscription VPN access through all your devices. They don't call it VPN. I don't know why they don't call it VPN. I know they like to come up with their own name for everything, but for all intents and purposes, this acts and behaves like a VPN. They call it private relay. And they say that you're basically relaying twice through basically two nodes to your endpoint and that when this is enabled, and I assume, I don't know this, but I assume you're, well, maybe this isn't true. They showed it using Safari. Maybe this is system-wide. I'm not sure. But it says that it doesn't know where you're going. It doesn't get the address. They don't know where you're going. It's basically a tunnel. You're just going to your endpoint without any sort of third-party access to know where you're going, what you're seeing, what you're typing, which is fantastic. I mean, people should be using this kind of all the time. I have VPN on my devices. I don't use it as much as I probably should. And I think the reason for that is that typically VPNs end up slowing you down. So the key here is they have to pull this off without it in any way slowing down your access and your connection. Yeah. I thought this was very exciting. And um, I was reading an interview with Craig Federighi where he was saying, like, there's been a lot of innovation in the areas of defeating privacy. (laughs) And so this was Apple doing their part to innovate in the other direction to protect user privacy. So I think this is a good a good trend and something, you know, certainly as a user I'm excited about. Yeah, absolutely. Now, before we went into WWDC, we heard rumors of something called Home OS, small home, small h, home OS. It's a little bit of an overloaded term because I think others also use Home OS, but certainly with these rumors, everybody's wondering, well, what is this? Does Is HomeKit becoming some sort of OS? Are they expanding the role of it? Is this the OS specific to the home pods? What is this going to be? What do you think this is going to be, Adam? Yeah, this, this came up in a job posting, um, which somebody probably shouldn't have put it there, but um, that's where the rumor came from. I think this is going to come with a new HomePod, and my wish casting here is that this will be a HomePod with a screen. The reason I say that is because it was very odd to me that they got rid of the bigger HomePod. And so I felt like there was another shoe still to drop there. Normally the way that Apple would do things, the support, you know, that would go away at the same time a new product was released. Well, in 2021 with all of the craziness going on with chips and products and things like that. I can see where Apple would not be able to pull off those kinds of timings. So they're having to do things like discontinue products before there's a direct replacement. So with that in mind, that's where this makes a lot more sense to me. And I just think they would kill this experience. I think one of my favorite show devices is our big show in the kitchen. And if they did this, this would be the death of Amazon devices 
in my house. I would get rid of all of them. Wow. Wow. That's that's a hmm, interesting. Okay. So do you think that this is specific to HomePod? That there's nothing there's nothing bigger home wise here? I mean just calling it home OS is so audacious. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, could you put multiple things under this bucket, including TV OS? Like because they seem to talk about TV in the same vein as as home stuff today. So if you were going to do that, that would make sense. I don't know what else you would put into the mix that could fall under this name. Yeah, I don't know either. I mean, maybe it does make sense because for the most part, they treat different technologies as kits and different user experiences as OSs, even now down to the point that we have an iPad OS, which personally I think is ridiculous because it's obviously a derivative of iOS, but it's still different. And so maybe, you know, along those lines, this fits that this would be something for HomeKit or for uh, the HomePod specifically. HomeKit to me, being a user-facing marketing term always was a little bit weird. Like the the kits are usually developer-facing right. things. And so the fact that it it became a industry standard. So I think that could be the other the other part of this too, is that as we go into the the post-matter world, which is our next topic, maybe that's where the home kit branding gets dropped. Perhaps that's a good segue into the next topic. So they mentioned matter and it's going to be a part of iOS 15. So iOS 15 will support matter. Presumably that means also that iPad OS will support it and anywhere else you can do stuff with smart home will also support it. But what they told us about it was like, nominal, right? They, we just got some generic statement that we're part of this consortium or no, just like every other group, they say, we formed a group with these other, these other companies. Take, take know, all the credit. Everybody's taking the credit for it, which is fine. That's fine. But they didn't say anything other than so that you can use all your favorite smart home devices together. Maybe. <laughs> I think they might have left out the baby. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, I added it in. Yeah, so I guess for anybody that maybe heard us talk about chip in the past, connected home over IP, that's been rebranded as as Matter. It was an initiative by the Zigbee Alliance, which has also been rebranded to... I don't remember. You don't know. It got rebranded also to yeah. something that made more sense than Zigbee Alliance when it didn't wasn't just Zigbee anymore. So... I started thinking about this, like once, once this had kind of set in my head, I actually like woke up randomly last night in the middle of the night. And I was like, what if we could redesign our apps all around matter? And then like, as I started to think about that, I'm like, except the whole thing where, okay, matter is going to be in the next version of Android and a brand new version of Android doesn't get to the masses for like five years. So like iOS, users apple users are pretty good at adoption for a new os so you could reasonably assume that most users will have ios 15 on their devices in two years in android world that's just not a thing i mean it it's like it literally you're looking at like three to five years before you can count on a technology being in the stack so that that kind of rained on some of the, my parade of being excited about matter making an immediate impact. But, you know, I still think, you know, there's a lot to be seen there. And support for Matter in iOS 15 is a good first step. Yeah, it's a very good first step. Do you think there's any chance that, and this sounds so weird, but that the desire to have a more integrated smart home could actually drive adoption of newer Android hardware and software? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, it's 
it's such a mess. And like, I mean, even some of our, my colleagues that use Android just kind of laughed at that idea because yeah, most of the Android devices don't get, you know, updates and like, you know, even like really techie people know how to do that. It's not as, it's not as simple. So yeah, I don't know. Or could they do it in past versions with a patch? I don't know. So we'll see. We'll see where that all goes. I think there's a lot. They still haven't ratified the spec. So I think that's where this all gets real. Everybody's got to agree soon here. And, you know, if somebody, if one of the big parties doesn't like what everybody agrees to and takes their ball and goes home, this whole initiative is just like a lot less exciting. So, yeah, I think we'll see. Certainly announcements from Apple and Google here, I think, are really encouraging. But I'd really like to see another sign of support from Amazon and probably Ring also. And, you know, we're not seeing that as much here. So hopefully later this year, we'll see some more to come here. But yeah, looking through the sessions today, there is a uh, a session about adding Matter support to your smart home app. Um, which is, I think, in two days here as we record this. So that's should be interesting, and I'll, I'll definitely attend that, and maybe we can talk about it next episode. Just that alone, the fact that there is a session about how to do this is a little bit telling, right? Because it answers questions that some may have had that, you know, could Apple and Google implement Matter in a way in HomeKit and in Google Home that it just became a part of the underlying layer you already reference when you build your app so that you wouldn't necessarily have to do anything different or special. If a developer has to do something to implement this, that automatically is going to eliminate support for many apps potentially. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how this works, where all the hooks are and um, kind of what that experience looks like. So, and the funny thing to me um, was looking at all the HomeKit APIs, all the APIs for matter are still branded chip. So um, this was clearly done before that branding came out and they ran into a character limit. They couldn't do a, you know, control F control R find replace, you know, on that, but whatever, it doesn't really matter. This happens so often in code where the code doesn't match the vernacular that everybody uses to talk about it. And then like a generation of developers later, nobody understands why this thing is called this. Exactly. And they're talking to the business and they don't know what they're talking about because it's a different thing in their world. It might be a good idea to refactor now. I'm just saying. Yeah, exactly. Well, another thing that came up were some improvements to iPad OS. And one of the things that excited me was that finally, finally, iPad OS is going to allow you to display iOS apps, meaning not iPad apps apps that have not been optimized to work on the iPad display, and it'll display a portrait app in landscape mode of your tablet. Now, why do I care? I care because if you use your device on a keyboard, you're inherently in landscape mode. And if you come up on an app that only works on the phone, and therefore it's going to open sideways on your device, now you really can't use it on your keyboard. Or maybe if it's wall-mounted or something like that. And guess what apps are only oftentimes designed as iPhone apps? Smart home product apps. So now you'll be able to use all of your smart home apps from iOS, no matter which way they're oriented and which device they were designed for. I don't understand why it took like 
15 versions of <laughs> iPad OS to get here. I just don't understand. Yeah. But good. It's finally here. And you can even do the not slide over, but the multitasking where you can hover a small sliver of an app next to it. So you even get some form of multitasking with those apps as well. So I'm very, very happy to see that. It's long overdue. Before we get to our last category, the other one that I want to mention that I think will really take some time for people to understand its use case, but I think it has some powerful implications, was this whole kind of, I don't remember what they call them, like the profiles of like indicating your status and being able to have like certain kinds of notifications or automations based on that status. Oh yeah, you're so basically your focus mode, I think is yes. what they call it. That you would go in instead of do not disturb now they're calling it focus and you identify what kind of focusing you're doing. Right. What you're focusing on. So, I haven't seen anything to indicate this, but I do think I like the idea of automating off of focus mode and I got to imagine there's some hooks in there. So I love the idea of doing HomeKit-based things based on that focus mode. Yeah, and it's funny you say that because I think focus mode is something that people are going to use primarily on their laptops. Maybe not just that, but I think that is something that, you know, I'm working, so leave me alone. I don't want notifications or I'm in a meeting. So, And oftentimes, I just like I did before we started recording, I go up and I hit do not disturb and hope to remember to turn it off before the 24-hour period so that I do get notifications again later today. This really helps with that. And we also learned, and we didn't talk about this either, shortcuts are coming to the Mac. So what you know today as Automator is ultimately going to migrate to the shortcuts platform. And in fact, they're going to provide a path for converting Automator automations into shortcuts. So I could see a world where that's one of the triggers, where your focus status is one of the triggers for shortcuts. And that could be the same on any iOS or uh, iPad device as well. I think it's an exciting and possibly really powerful feature um, that uh, I'm definitely excited for. And the same, like, in reverse. Maybe... You're watching a movie, so you don't want to get notifications you know, while the movie is playing unless they're from someone who's in your important list or whatever. you know. So that's all the stuff that we know about, but we also know that there's some stuff that we didn't see that we had hoped to see or, or keep hoping to see as it were, because I think this is perhaps the second year we didn't see some things that we wanted to see. Like in my column, I'm very frustrated that we still don't see true shortcut integration with HomeKit. There are some ways that you can use a shortcut as, I believe it's a trigger for an automation, but it doesn't seem like it's possible to fully integrate HomeKit automations with shortcuts yet. Because what that would entail is that some brain somewhere, either your Apple TV or your HomePod or your tablet, would need to be able to process that as part of the automations that it's managing. And apparently that doesn't happen or can't happen yet. You know, in 13, I thought that's what we were going to get. But we didn't. So it's 15, maybe 16. I don't know. And then my thing that I'm disappointed is uh, ever since they shipped a U1 based radio in a phone, uh, we started talking about the holy grail of U1 based stuff, which was proximity automation. I would say right now, the U1 from my HomePod next to my bedside uh, annoys me more than it's useful because it always wants to do the speaker thing when you're close to the HomePod, which also happens to be happen just like when I'm charging my phone. But, you know, based on that U1 information, which we can now see if you've played around with um, AirTags at all, 
It's pretty cool and pretty powerful stuff. It'd be awesome to be able to automate. I'm in a room based off this. They'd sell a lot of air tags if they did this. You'd literally just put one on top of every doorway. Right? You could create beacons from air tags even like without that much work from the current implementation. So I have to see this coming at some point in time. Now, what we don't know is are they using this more behind the scenes? Like one of the things they talked about on the watchOS home update was that you would see related or relevant accessories that you would control. Now, is that Siri doing the thing where it's like, okay, well, normally this time of day and your home, you would be doing this? Or is it actually based on some sort of proximity? Could it be based on proximity? We don't know yet. Maybe I'm being overly optimistic. The other thing that I'm curious about is that for this kind of tap to open technology for the locks, is that going to be using the U1 chip or is that purely NFC? And again, I don't think we know enough about that yet. Yeah, they didn't really say, although the key for the for the cars was U1 based. I don't know that they explicitly said which it is. You know, there's still lots of opportunity for growth, lots of opportunity to improve things. Everybody's going to complain that their thing that they cared about isn't there yet. And budgets are not unlimited. So eventually, someday. File a radar. <laughs> show up at the, you know, if you're a developer, show up at the HomeKit lab. Tell them you want this. It's a good opportunity. I might just do that myself. Yes. Follow your own advice there. There you go. All right. Well, that's going to be it for our coverage of the WWDC news, but we have a question from a listener. In fact, we've had some questions from listeners that we have forgotten to include over the last few episodes. So we're going to be catching up for a little while. This one comes from Joe and it's kind of directed at me. So I figure I might as well just read this one. He says, when you spoke about Homebridge in the past, Richard mentioned that he was going to test the waters, even though your guest Eric basically called Homebridge a toy. Eh, That's a little bit harsh, but I think what he said is, don't use it for anything mission critical. I have not paid attention to Eric's advice. (laughs) I'm particularly interested in the Insteon plugin, and I wondered what Richard's experience has been knowing he's a proponent of Insteon. I'm pretty invested in Insteon with about 80 devices, mostly switches and outlets, currently controlled on a Mac server using the Indigo Demotic software and a HomeKit plugin. Indigo is an amazing software product, so good uh, choice there. Since your show, I've installed Homebridge on a Windows 10 server I had running for other purposes and installed both the Ring and Nest plugins, and I've been very favorably impressed I've not yet ported my Indigo Insteon environment over to Homebridge. To be honest, it's going to be a significant undertaking, so I have just put it off for now. The main reason I'd move it from the current bulletproof Indigo installation is that as of this past December, the plugin developer has stated that he'll no longer be maintaining it. And in addition to that, the Indigo team has instituted an annual subscription service. Oh, boo. And since I really don't... That was me booing, by the way. Since I really don't use much of Indigo's capabilities other than that Insteon plugin, this will be an added cost with little additional benefit. In any event, I'd be eager, as I'm sure other listeners would be, to hear your updates. Also, I just left you a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Yay! Thank you very much. We love five-star reviews. As far as Homebridge is concerned, I have, as I suggested earlier, completely ignored Eric's advice, and I have been diving in and using stuff as a part of my regular HomeKit installation, particularly, as you mentioned, those Ring and Nest plugins. They plug the biggest hole 
with these ecosystems right now. And they're both like rock solid. I've been really impressed with them. And I don't remember, Adam, have you been messing with these as well? Yeah, I was going to say, I also did not follow Eric's advice. And um, (laughs) yeah, I'm using it for all my Nest stuff as well. Yeah, I I love it. And for the Ring cameras, it even comes up on the Apple TV when someone rings the front doorbell. So, you know, all the stuff that you want, you don't get, as I mentioned earlier in the show, HomeKit Secure Video through this. But still, it's a lot of capability that you just otherwise wouldn't be able to integrate. So I, I love it. I said Nest. I meant Ring. I don't have any Nest stuff in my house. Okay, I do have Nest stuff, and I have that integrated too, and I, and I like that too. So, the the real question is about the control of Instion, and I have to say that I have not been as impressed with the Instion plugin for this, and there's a reason for that. The Instion plugin of choice for people is one that controls Instion devices locally, meaning it doesn't use any sort of cloud integration and it works with pretty much any of the controllers that you might have. There are several Instion plugins for Homebridge that work with an ISY. That's a a different controller that you can buy for Instion devices. And They supposedly work very well and are very capable, but this one is designed specifically to work just with the hub that you have or uh, the the modem that you have to enable control of your Instion stuff. It's really complicated. It's not a certified plugin for Homebridge, so it doesn't have all of the automatic setup stuff that you might expect to configure things. I even had to change the port number so it wouldn't collide with another plugins port that needed to launch in a separate window. This sets up this mini server that you have to then go and configure and figure out what all your devices are. It's a lot of work. The instructions aren't fantastic. Now, it may sound like I hate this thing. I don't. I think it's ambitious and I think it has. A, it's very powerful. I just haven't been able to figure it out yet. The developer behind it is the same guy that developed the add-ons that allowed you to control Instion stuff through smart things. He really knows what he's doing, but he knows what he's doing like down at the device level and the communication level with those devices. And admittedly doesn't necessarily have the right user experience on it yet. So I don't know that I would be in a position to convince you to switch from Indigo because Indigo is really powerful. And if it has the ability to integrate with HomeKit, at least until this plugin becomes a little bit more usable, I'd encourage you to pay the subscription fee and keep it going. I hate subscription fees. Hate them. But the old, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. And uh, when he says he has 80 devices, man, oh man, you got to put value on your time. (laughs) And if you got to do a lot of work on 80 devices, your, your time is probably worth more than what this Indigo plug, you know, subscription is. So I'm with you. I would keep it as is. Don't mess with it. Yeah. Now, I will keep you informed on what's going on with my use of this plugin. And Adam, I think we're coming up on the time of year that we would be talking about what's going on in our smart homes anyway. So we'll probably be talking more about that in the next month or two. Sounds good. Well, if you have a smart home question like Joe... Um, you can send that our way using the hashtag Ask Smart Home Show, and uh, we'll try our best to uh, pick some questions for the show and not not miss those. Or if we get a bunch of them, maybe we'll just do a Q&A show. We could do that, too. So send lots. <laughs> that would be fun. All right. Well, where can people find you, Adam, if they want to find out more about what you're up to, where you're going now that you might be out and about more, and what your company does? I'm going camping. That's where I'm going. No. Oh, awesome. You can find me on Twitter 
uh, at Adam Justice and everything my company's up to at ConnectSense.com. How about you, Richard? You can find me on Twitter at Richard Gunther, and you can find my writings up at the Digital Media Zone, thedigitalmediazone.com. The Smart Home Show is part of Technology.fm, which is a collection of tech-focused podcasts that includes the Home Tech Show. And again, I really encourage you to go see what Seth's done with that show. It's it's a lot of fun. He's changed the format up. He does video when he records. It's a great, great thing. The Food Tech Show and my other show, which has been on hiatus, but it will be back. Home on. You can find all of our show notes and details about each episode at smarthome.fm, and that's much more current now that I don't maintain it anymore. You can send us feedback at feedback at smarthome.fm, and of course, you can find our show anywhere you listen to podcasts. And if you like it, please do us a favor, tell a friend or leave a rating. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.